Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm with Jonathan for Dugba. And Jonathan, it's been a couple of weeks. How are you doing, my old friend? Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Yes, doing well. Um, ticking along, ticking along. We've had a few weeks, obviously, because we had the international break and many other things going on. Um, but we did have an, in- an interview last week with Kevin Nichol, exclusive interview. We also did a Patreon, never to be seen again because the audio disappeared. So um, I wasn't on that Patreon uh, weekend preview show, unfortunately, although I did record it, Steve. I did put the time and effort in, as you know. But we had a few um, technical issues in the last few weeks. But um, yeah, ho- hopefully the listeners enjoyed the Kevin Nichol interview with Mjondal, interim head coach. He's, um, I thought he was a fantastic guy to speak to and listen to. Um, seems like an up-and-coming coach. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I think this is like our fourth different format to try and record something in. So hopefully this one actually comes across all right. But are you ready for an absolutely kind of crazy period of football and a weird period of football coming up in the next two or three months? Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? We've got the end of the season in Sweden and Norway coming. We're, you know, we're not too far away now in the home straight. And then it's sort of straight into the World Cup, isn't it? Of course, uh, I haven't really, to be honest, paid attention to the World Cup yet, but it is quickly on the horizon, less than 50 days to go. So it is that sort of getting to that period of the year where you start to sort of look at it and it's going to be new for all of us, isn't it? You, you, there's no sort of summer calendars. It's going to be winter winter nights, but listen, it's a World Cup and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But before then, we've got a lot to get through in our leagues, haven't we? Yeah, it's like I'm meant to be doing some World Cup content and I'm... Um... I've done no research into it at all, really. So I need to buckle down. But yeah, we've got a really hectic period to finish a season off in Norway and Sweden. For Norway, it's going to be a bit un- unusual, of course, because normally the league would finish well, probably the second week in December. So an earlier finish for Norway this year. There's only, uh, what, six games left now. But uh, plenty to sort out. We are going to start off with Norway. Um, looks like Molde are going to win the, win the title. Plenty to talk about in the relegation battle, the hunt for medals. And, you know, the times are hot, hotting up here. Well, the first thing to say is, you know, there's a big game in Europe this week, isn't there? I mean, are we going to talk about that first or do you want to talk about that a bit later? Do you ask a very good point? I'd almost got too excited about the league there. Um, I mean, I suppose, uh, yes, European matches. We'd better talk about them. They're certainly involving the two Norwegian teams. We've got uh, Mulder against Shamrock Rovers and then uh, Buda Glimp travel to London, small case of uh, Arsenal away. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to, well, certainly the Arsenal game. <laughs> Less so yeah. against Shamrock Rovers, but uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah, tasty. I mean, Arsenal fans um, who might be tuning into this, listening and, and trying to sort of get a sense of glim. I mean, we talk, we've talked about them. I feel like we've talked about them more than any anyone else on this point in the last maybe two years or so. But for any fans who uh, don't know them, uh, let me put it like this: Are they are they another Ostersund in terms of like went to the Emirates and beat them? Is that you know this week? How are you looking at the the game that's coming up this this week? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance of that, but uh, I can tell you now, Arsenal fans couldn't give a shit about Buda Glimt. They're, they're not thinking about this match, Jonathan. All they're thinking about is their victory in the North London derby and thinking about Liverpool in the Premier League. So Arsenal, the match doesn't really matter to Arsenal much at all. Uh, you know, it's all, it's it's a huge game for Buda Glimp, though. It's uh, massive for them. And, um, you know, Arsenal, we know, have got a huge squad depth. And, you know, when you can rely on on studs like Eddie Nketiah 
to come into the side and you know score goals at this sort of level um, in Europe, then you know I think even Tierney and, and Tommy Asu didn't start in the uh, North London derby, so I'd expect them to get minutes. It will still be a very strong Arsenal team, and you know I'd expect Arsenal to win the first the, the first match here in in in, um, in London, but. Uh, the reverse fixture is a completely different matter entirely. Um, but Budaglint are going to come here. They're going to, they'll have a go. They are very well coached. That's a big similarity to Ostersunds. You know, they had Graham Potter, obviously, there in the day. And um, if, if Arsenal are not careful, then, you know, Chetil Knutson could maybe teach them a couple of uh, lessons, potentially. So I think whoever's in that starting eleven for Arsenal have got to be up for it, and they will be. They will be because you know there's guys fighting for their plate as well, and there's plenty of quality on show. But um, this is not just going to be a complete walk in the park. I mean, you always think you know they'll think on oh, Norwegian opposition we, we should absolutely smash them to pieces. They did that against Molde two or three years ago, no problem. So they might think it'll be the same again. But with Buda Glimt. You know, ignore them and underestimate them at your peril, as as Roma, Celtic, and several others have found out. So, it'd be a good game of football, I think. And um, you know, obviously, a huge game for for, for Norwegian football, Budaglimt, less so for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, we don't know the exact team news, but I imagine that it's going to be, um, you know, Arsenal probably rest some of their some of their key players. I imagine. Uh, is there a, is there a risk that they might take them a bit complacent, be a bit complacent in this game? And in yeah. terms of the group, just get just for those who might not have the group table in front of them, just give us a bit of assessment of how important is this game in terms of the, the group itself. It was a very unique group because um, the match between Arsenal and PSV was postponed, of course. So they've they've only played one match each, and uh, there's a massive risk that they could get complacent. They're just coming off a high of beating their biggest rivals. Uh, and the top of the Premier League, and they've got a huge game to look forward to against Liverpool. So there's no way I don't think they're even thinking about Budaglimp this week. They, they, you know, Arsenal will qualify from this group, no problem um, at all. Where, you know, even they can even afford to drop points in a couple of games, and you know, it's not an issue. So they could be complacency. It's just what, what, what is interesting is the players that come into the team. You call them the second string, the reserves, or whatever, but. It's actually quite a high-class overall squad now for Arsenal, so I think the players will be hungry. You know, like Eddie and Ketty is going to want to come in and fill his boots, things like that. So I don't, I'm, I don't think there'll be complacency in, in that sort of way, but certainly there might be some heads and minds elsewhere, maybe the coaching staff as well. Yeah, and in terms of Glimt themselves, they're very excited about this game. They've described it as one of, if not the biggest game in their history. Um, they apparently three thousand Glimp supporters are travelling to the English capital for the match, and uh, in fact, you know, if you run through uh, as they do on the club website, the games that they've played, you know, they've played a lot of big clubs as you mentioned there. Um, mm. the, it says in the past year, Glimp has beaten Roma twice, Celtic twice, AZ Alkmaar, Dinamo Zagreb, to name just a few names, and has also secured an important point away from home against PSV. So, you know, it re- Glimp really are on the up, aren't they? But obviously, Arsenal top of the Premier League at this moment in time. Uh, you say that they're more interested in the North London derby. To be honest, I think a lot of their fans were more interested in uh, Manchester United losing uh, 6-3 from the amount of text messages I got from Arsenal fans who were, who were certainly uh, coming out of the woodwork. Um, oh, there's a lot, didn't they? There's a lot of Arsenal fans yeah. out there at the minute who was shouting yeah. out. So, I mean, a lot uh, of people remembered who I am of the Arsenal persuasion. Um, <laughs> people I'd not heard from for years, suddenly uh, 4-0 down, getting in contact. So the giddiness is certainly back. Um, but let's see, you know, what's your prediction for this game? 
My prediction for this game is Arsenal to win by three goals to two. I think there'll be quite a lot of goals in the match. And um, you know, it's interesting you say 3,000 fans are coming over. Now, I've just actually looked at the population of Buda is, well, in 2020, was 52,357. So that's nearly, what, 7.5% of the population of the city is coming over to, to, to London. So Yeah, um, and Arsenal Stadium actually holds 60,000, so they could fit the whole population of Glimmer. They'll be louder than the Arsenal fans, I'll say that. Yeah, they'll well, definitely Arsenal be louder. Been, yeah, they've been pretty lively lately, in fairness. But yeah, that's so that means you could fit the whole population of Buddha in inside the Emirates, which is crazy. But uh, there you go. <laughs> let's move on. Um, of course, I think it will be on, on BT Sport and, and elsewhere. Yeah. But uh, just coming, you know, recapping back to uh, Norway, um, Glimp did have a big result away to Lillestrøm on Saturday. They did, and uh, yeah, I wasn't sure which way this game was going to go, Jonathan, I must say. Four goals to one win um, for Buda Glimp. They took an early lead through Ulrich Saltnes, but uh, Ibrahim Aj equalised pretty quickly for LSK. Second half, though, Glimp was just brilliant. It was like more like the Buda Glimp of old that we, we, we come to love, and they got an early goal, which shouldn't have been a goal. Runar Espiord was definitely offside. If there was VAR in this league, that goal would not have counted. And there's been a few of those recently, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, some shocking, not refereeing as such, but linesmen have been blind. And uh, this was one of those. But there's no doubt they were a the far better team in the second half. And they, they they should have certainly added to that advantage. And eventually they did. Hugo Vettelson scored a great goal off the bench, 87th minute. Of course, you can't keep Armel Pellegrino after the goals, can you either? He scored in injury time. And, you know, that was a very important win for Budiglim. It moved them back up to second place in the table. They have got, obviously, a brutal run of games coming up with, you know, Arsenal, PSV and, you know, Zurich as well. They've got four European matches remaining. They've got to fit those in. And they need as many points as they can get get hold of at the moment because they will, I think, drop a few naturally due to tiredness and fatigue. So crucial win, really killer. Well, could be a killer loss for Lillestrøm. There's a massive risk they could finish down as low as fifth now, which I think after the start they had of the season would be a, a real blow. And I mean, you could, we've kind of seen this coming, haven't we? I'm not a mile away, but midway through the season, you know, the, always the question was, can Lillestrøm hold on? keep going and, and the ultimate answer at the moment is is no they they desperately need to rebound now to Lillestrøm how 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 bad has the loss of Akel Adams been in that um is he back playing now or you know what's you know one of our famous Wisecout blog uh subjects mm. has, has that been the, the big difference I think it has yeah I mean he got injured of course in a, a European match I can't remember exactly who it was against, it might have been Royal Antwerp, but uh, I'm not 100% sure about that one. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's now back. He, he came off uh, on the bench. He was on the bench on uh, in, that, in that game, but he only was given eight minutes of action. So he's missed, I'm just counting now my spreadsheet, um, three, four, uh, three, four, five, seven elite Serie matches he missed. And um, obviously that was a big blow for them because he'd been in fantastic form. And, you know, when you're taking someone like that out of the team, it's going to make a big difference. It forced them to re-sign Thomas Len Olsen, who doesn't look quite sharp even now after starting four straight games. Holmberg, Fred Johnson, I think can be very hit and miss striker and he's been relegated to the bench um, recently. Now they've got three target men strikers in the squad. 
uh, who are fit and ready, Akor Adams, Len Olsen and Fred Johnson. I don't know who's going to start. I think the manager needs to look at putting two of them up front together and that might give them more weapons. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately that was a massive factor, no doubt about it. And also the two defensive injuries recently to Tom Pettersson and Escaleda have not helped. Yeah, so obviously, as you mentioned there, um, Lillestrom struggling without their man, the main man, Adams, who had such a fantastic start to the season. And they're now down in fourth with six games to go, 44 points. Joint with Rosenborg, um, but just lower goal difference, both on 44 points. We've then got Glimt in second on 45 points. But Steve, as you mentioned, um, just at the top of the show there, but we haven't quite talked about it in detail yet. 15 points clear now, with only 18 points available remaining. It's Mulder. Um, sensational form they've been in and they just need one more win to wrap up the title Is I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that uh, maybe well, yeah. one win in the draw would do it but um, you know with goal difference it's looking like might might already be done and dusted I mean they've been in, in sensational form haven't they lately uh, haven't lost since May yeah um, I think it's 17 wins out of 19 or something like that. It's a ridiculous run. They've had 11 straight wins, I know that much. And uh, I think four more official points and they will win the title. It could be won this Saturday if other results uh, go their way and they beat Ham Cam. And, you know, I actually think we've got to give them some credit and I'm sure we'll give them plenty of credit over the you know the next few shows before the end of the season. And, um, you know, perhaps they're a bit underrated, really, the job that Erling Mood's done here. I've said before, he's a great manager. And, you know, changing that tactical setup this season has paid massive dividends and now they can really focus on the on the European run they've had a disappointing start to the group stage in uh, you know losing to Jorgarten only drawing against Ghent and now they've got a, ba- a double header against Irish side Shamrock Rovers who were uh, atop of the Irish Premier League right now and the, the match on Thursday first leg is going to be in, uh, in in Norway David Datra Fafana suspended after he got sent off in Sweden and, um, you know, it's good. I think it's the two fixtures that Mulder will be targeting 100%. They, they, they will expect and hope to get six points against the Irish outfit. No disrespect. But I think if you want to qualify from this group, you've got to be taking, well, a bare, bare minimum of four points off, off Shamrock Rovers. Realistically, they probably need six now, considering the start to the, to the group stage that they had. So, um, you know, it's good news for them. They're 15 points clear. They're not hanging on to like an invincible season or something. Yes, they've got a nice unbeaten run, but I don't, I think they would probably willingly sacrifice a couple more, couple of losses before the end of the season if it meant they qualified from their conference league group. So, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say congratulations, Mulder. Now they're not, not winning the title from here, are they? But, um, you know, it's been a magnificent season for them. Yeah, we do have a question actually from, um, Flying Dutchman, a regular listener to the pod at Jan as I stand, uh, and he asked any wild predictions for the last stretch of games. Just wondered is uh, is one of your wild predictions maybe Mulder to to lose every match and blow the title? Or shall I give you two you two other? wild predictions? Um, Christiansen to survive, and Viking to plummet down to something like twelfth. Well, Christiansen to survive. I mean, I remember you saying they're done and dusted, so that would. That would be sensational. They really are climbing out of it. It's been amazing. Uh, Viking to cl- fall to 12th. Well, they're currently 7th, 33 points. Uh, they're five points away from 12th. So you're saying that they're going to lose at least three games. Um, what's going on with Viking then? Tell us, um, tell us about that. Yeah, I wasn't really prepared to talk about Viking on this show and I've kind of put it on myself, haven't I? Yeah, you just, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> just you talked yourself into it, I'm afraid. <laughs> There's not really much to say about them. It's like they had a great first half of the season. Seemed to lose key players to either injury or transfers. Barisha was obviously a big departure, but they haven't replaced Veton Barisha, Jonathan, which is kind of a madness. I don't know whether they just wanted to try a few players out, but like my Triore isn't really good enough as a starter. The lad, uh, Daniel Carlsbeck, has been given minutes 19-year-old, but I don't think he's really good enough. Trippich hasn't quite been the same since his, his mid-season injury. And, um, you know, the defence has been conceding goals left, right and centre. I just think, I mean, the 33 points, that's that's enough to survive. There's always a team that just sinks like a ship, uh, like the Titanic going down, isn't there? Every league, uh, teams lose position. And I think them or Strom's Godset are the prime candidates to drop to, like, sort of 11th and 12th because... They're, they're kind of safe, not much incentive, and other teams below them are fighting much harder and having a lot more momentum. So I think, I mean, I, kind of the sensational part of this prediction is that sort of Viking were threatening the top five for a lot of the season. For them to finish as low as, say, 12th would be ridiculous. Yeah, and just in terms of, um, I mean, let, let's just, while we're on the subject of Christiansen, let, let's go into it now with them. Um, they really do seem to have sort of turned it around. I remember at one point in the season, they had single digits for quite a long time. Um, but they've now, I mean, they've, they've won three on a row in September. Um, and they've got a 4-4 draw against Rosenborg in their latest, latest game. That's, that's what has gone on in this, in this, in this Rosenborg, in this Rosenborg game. Uh, 90th minute own goal equalizer to get them a point. I know it was, um, I was actually watching this game in a bath, Jonathan. Um, I've not had so much fun in a bath since, uh, you know, I was probably watching some Marseille late game or whatever. But, um, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing in this game. Um, Christian Sund went 3-1 up at half-time and they played a fantastic first half. They lost Faris Mumbanya to injury the striker, who's had a massive impact on them recently. So I thought when he went off, I thought, oh, no, they're in massive trouble here. But they were like animals possessed in that first half. And uh, 3-1 lead. And they held on to that lead until the hour mark. Um, you know, and, and then it was... Th- Rosenborg scored three goals in the space of 14 minutes. Kasper Tengstep bagged a brace. Victor Jensen scored in the 76th minute. And it looked like Rosenborg, you know, went 4-3 up. And um, they had chances to make it five. But they couldn't hold on. There was an injury time equaliser for Christiansen. Sam Rogers' own goal. And even after that, I think there was four or five more minutes of injury time left and both teams went for it. There were chances at both ends. A draw didn't suit anyone. And it was the sort of match that the full-time whistle, both team, both sets of players were gutted that they didn't win the game. Um, but, you know, for Christiansen, I mean, it's the match kind of summed up the problems that both teams have. Obviously, Christiansen have got a lot more problems than Rosenborg. They're fighting for their lives. They're, they could go down. But Rosenborg do have defensive issues. Christiansen have had defensive issues all season. But I've seen enough from them recently that if they need a bit of luck, they need Sandefia to kind of go winless, really, the rest of the season or one more win. Um, if they can just have a little bit of luck there, they could scrape into the playoff. And I, I would actually back them to, to win the playoff uh, over two legs uh, over a team from the Obos. Just a, a final question on that, just following on from that. Uh, how good is Kasper Tengstead? Uh, he's 22 years old. He's got 10 goals on a 5.29 XG, according to Scout, which is unbelievable. Um, fluke or real deal? Oh, I mean, he is the real deal, but there's no doubt these stats are... It's a, a real purple patch. It's unsustainable. It's not like Haaland or something like that. Um, he... 
he, I think his best qualities are he's very versatile. He can score a lot of different types of goals. And I think he's a very intelligent, uh, I nearly said cricketer then, <laughs> footballer, very intelligent footballer <laughs> who, um, who who gets into some great positions and he knows he knows where to be at the right time. And I think he's got additionally uh, excellent composure. I think mentally he's a really strong player. And, uh, you know, combine that with reasonably good technique. And, uh, you know, he, he, he supplied, I think, five assists as well. So it's not just like he's scoring goals. He, he, he's a very clever player and uh, obviously a fantastic signing for, for Rosenborg. And, and, and he gives them a, a dynamic now they can outscore anyone, really. You, you feel that Rosenborg are capable of beating someone 4-3, potentially. And you know, that's a great asset to have. And it's going to be interesting to see how they develop themselves over the off-season. Um, it would do them some good to, to finish in the top three. I think they should still do it. But, um, yeah, Tenkstet is certainly he's the real deal. Don't ex- we can't expect this sort of him to sustain these sort of ridiculous stats. But, yeah, for me, he's the real deal in the elitist area. And if you had to sort of, um, <clears throat> for those who don't know him, as I said, 22-year-old, he's, he's, he scored two against Christensen here. Um, if you had to compare him to maybe like a more well-known striker, what kind of what kind of a forward is he? Um, I think you're looking at someone of, uh, let's say, back in the day, sort of Teddy Sheringham's intelligence. Maybe not to that level, but he doesn't he, he doesn't have the, sort of the, the rapid pace that someone like an Mbappe would have. Or you know, Sheringham was quite slow actually, wasn't he? He's, he's faster than that. But probably Ted, Teddy Sheringham is the first name that springs to mind. And sort of, a, it's a very vague comparison in modern day football. We're thinking of a footballer that's got a really good brain, uh, good positioning, uh, but not necessarily rapid. Great stuff. And for those who are wondering, uh, Amar Pellegrino is top of the XG in Norway, according to our partners, Scout with 12.26 XG and 20 goals. So uh, pretty stunning there. Let's let's move on. Um, and you've got a couple of talking points on your slate. I mean, obviously, we've got Mulder Shamrock to talk about. Maybe we should talk about that now before we I move think on I've already Mulder. talked about really Mulder um, Shamrock, so we'll leave it there. As you've said, what you need to say. But did you give a prediction? Yeah, I'm going to give just a 2 0 win for Mulder. I think Shamrock will give it a good go. And, um, you know, not be easy to beat, but Mulder should have enough. Fantastic. And yeah, back onto the battle for uh, second to fifth, as you've said here, for, mm. the, for the podium um, and European places. Uh, it's very tight at the top, isn't it? But before you answer, I mean, it is tight at the top. Isn't it very is. I mean, it's three points between four teams, and you can make a case for any of these four teams to finish in the final two European places. Um, fourth place will get Europe if the winner of the Norwegian Cup um, is uh, one of the top three. Which and then the winner of the Norwegian Cup won't be known until start of next year. So you really you've got to get in that top three to guarantee Europe. And um, Rosenborg for me have got a big advantage because they're not in Europe. At the moment, so Buda Glimt, I think we're going to have to really see plenty of strong fight mentally and physically from Buda Glimt. Uh, I'd be, you would be foolish to back against them being in the top three. I think they'll ultimately have enough. Lillestrom, I think they're just probably going to fold and, and maybe even fade to as low as fifth. And Volarenga are the wild card in this. They have won nine of the last 11 games from nowhere. I mean, this team, I mean, Fragomo was nearly uh, sacked in the middle of summer and now he's led this incredible run. But they have some tough fixtures to come, Valorenga. There's a big match this weekend, actually, Rosenborg, Valorenga. Then it's Valorenga, Buda Glimt. And the last game of the season, they've actually got Mulder at home, which is probably a good time to face Mulder, isn't it? But um, 
yeah, I mean, these next two games are crucial for Volarenga, and we're going to see if they are serious or not. I, mean, I could just see them losing the next two, knowing them. Um, so if they lost them two, they suddenly lose yeah, momentum. Yeah, and we do have a listener question, actually, from, uh, uh, I think it's FPL Pasty, FPL Pasty at underscore, at FPL underscore Pasty. He says, can Borven catapult Wallerenga into a European qualification spot? Good question. He, he could do. The, as I said, then these next two games for Wallerenga are away, away to Rosenborg, then at home to Buda Glimt. They're season-defining games. If they lose them both, I think, I don't think they're going to be getting in the top three. If they win them both, hell's hell's bells. They could they could finish as high as second. So it's time for big players to step up, like Isal Ruiz, if he's fit enough. And you know, Boven, I, I have noticed a slight improvement gradually since he's he's, he's got to you know come to the club. He's been scoring goals recently, and he is no doubt he's a fantastic asset to have. So the answer is he could do. I still don't fully trust Volleranger. I actually think Rosenborg will win this match this weekend. They're brilliant at home, and I think that sort of loss might just impact Volarenga too negatively. So I think there's an awful lot riding on this particular fixture. Um, but when push comes to shove, in my experience in, in recent years covering uh, since NF, the Nordic Football podca- Podcast has started, Volarenga lack it, really lack the bottle when it matters the most. And if that trend continues, you, the logical prediction is they don't find a way into the top three. Well, we did have a recent episode discussing who were the Spurs of uh, of Norway, and he did say Wallerenga was one of the candidates. So um, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, they've got ten wins from their last twelve games, which is which is fantastic form, um, and an interesting stat from our partners Wisecat as well. Wallerenga, the team in the Elite Serien, who've had the most touches in the box of any team in the league, uh, seven hundred and twenty-seven touches in the penalty area, um, seven hundred and six for Molde in second place. So, and the mm-hmm. only other team with seven hundred plus is Buda Glimt. <clears throat> and then Sarpsborg are fourth with 604, so a massive difference in terms of the amount of touches in the area. I don't know if that's just because of the main central striker. Um, but yeah, Wallerenga seem to be also very, they're top of the league for 1v1 dribbling as well, Wallerenga. So clearly got good forward attacking players uh, who can get in the box and dribble. Um, but as you said there, maybe they're not going to be able to sustain it and maybe they might bottle it. So let's see how that big game goes this week and onto the re- relegation battle, uh, Steve, because... You talked about Christiansen, and I remember you have been a bit down on this one particular team, and they are looking like they are going down, and that's Yerv. Yeah, they are, for me, toast. Um, completely toast now. If we look at the table, they are 14 points, uh, nine off the playoff position, and uh, they look gone. And uh, I, I don't want to... I actually don't want to dig into them too hard because we knew it was going to be a huge task for Yerv this season considering the resources they had, the squad they had. And they've given it a good go. I actually quite enjoyed how they conducted themselves. And, um, you know, I go back a year ago, I was kind of annoyed that they got promoted, really, against Brown. I felt it would be, in the, you know, I didn't think they would add, add much to the league. But, you know, thinking about, maybe I've actually kind of got a bit softer in the space of 12 months. But I'm kind of glad they had the opportunity to come up here. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> to come up here and enjoy, you know, elite Serbian football for a season, you know, a bit like sort of maybe how Blackpool did the Premier League there all those years ago. So, and you know, long term it might even set them up for a sort of a prolonged push, you know, to, to bounce back in the next couple of years as well, and they might learn some lessons. Uh, but I like how they've gone about it. They've had a proper go. They've not just tried to be negative and defensive, and you know, they've tried to outscore teams, and it hasn't really worked. But 
had they managed to sort of take some chance at the right time or just maybe shut up shop a little bit more, who knows? And yeah, I watched their game against Hamcam on, on Sunday. Hamcam with a, a very much needed victory against them. It, it started off like a Hamcam train, actually. Um, they got themselves two goals up and they probably could have had more. And then there was a random goal. You have just scored a long-range uh, low goal from about 25 yards. Matthias Vickman in the 63rd minute. Uh, Alexander Malgavis got a couple of goals for Hamcam, defender. And then the, the last 25 minutes, 30 minutes, was very nervous times for Hamcam because we know that uh, they, they lost a lead against Sarpsborg recently. And you know, I think Jörg did have some chances, no doubt about it. They, they, they could, if that match had gone two all, it wouldn't have shocked me. And I actually could... I felt it coming towards the end of the game. I thought, yeah, might equalise here, you know. Um, I felt Hamcam needed a third goal. And uh, again, they should have got a third goal on the break, actually, to make it 3-1. But the keeper made a couple of good saves for Yerv, and uh, they couldn't quite find an equaliser. It was a, a tense finish. Well done to Hamcam, a much-needed victory for them um, after three defeats in a row. But I do think, yeah, for Yerv, um, for them, it's uh, probably the end of the road now. End of the road for Yerv, and the, yeah, this is their first ever year in Osvenskan, isn't it, in history, I believe. Yes. Oh, sorry, in Elita Serian. Exactly. It'd be pretty tough for them to play in Osvenskan. have to up the whole town and move it uh, move it about 500 miles. But yeah, uh, um, yeah for Yerv, first ever time, and you know, you've got, with the, in that context, you've got to say they've given it a good effort, as much as they can, four wins. Um, still six games to go. You never know. They're only, well, they're nine points off the... Um, relegation spot so it's looking like tough times for them um you've got Christensen like you said you think they all escape that's one of your bold predictions uh and you've got Sam Sandifield currently in the relegation playoff spot yeah. uh do you think it's literally just uh, between Sandifield and Hamcam for that final relegation spot or do you think Arlison or Sarpsborg can get something certainly um Arlison and Sarpsborg could get sucked into it it all depends uh how many points Sandifield are going to pick up because they've got I mean, you look at their fixtures now They've got Budaglimt away this weekend, which you've got to think they'll probably lose that, even if Budaglimt might not be at their best. Then there's a massive game, Sanderfjord against Jörv, and then it's Arlesund against Sanderfjord, and then it's Sanderfjord against Hamkamp. So those three games, you know, Sanderfjord could feasibly win all three. And then they're suddenly looking at, what, 32 points. So it's in their hands still, but equally they could lose all three games. I just don't think Sanderfjord have have any momentum right now. They're, they're basically over-reliant on two players. Mohamed Ofkir, who's had a brilliant year, the attacking winger, playmaker, whatever you want to call him. He, he scored a fantastic goal against Sarpsborg at the weekend. And Alexander Rutovet has had quite a good year up front as well. But defensively, they're a shambles. 55 goals conceded. You cannot rely on them to keep a clean sheet at all. And that's my problem with Sanderfjord. I'm not even sure I could trust them to beat Yerv. It's a sort of game that Yerv might just completely have a swing a swing at and 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 score a few goals so but yeah it all depends how Sanderfield do all the teams above them are just praying that they get no more points obviously and um but yeah certainly you know Hamcam Allison Sarpsborg could still potentially get sucked into it I don't think anyone uh Haugerson above will get sucked into it now though fair enough great stuff we're about to wrap up part one as well on this show but I'll just run you through in terms of the expected goals against Yerv by miles the worst, like 64.05 XG, 58 conceded. Sandifjord actually second bottom and Arda third bottom. So maybe that gives you a bit of um, context. Ham Cam are actually surprisingly mid-table. 
uh, well in mid-table, in fact. Uh, three, they're actually eighth in the league for uh, expected goals against. So it tells you that maybe their problems are at the other end of the field. Um, but yes, uh, that gives you a bit of a, a breakdown. Now, you've got a very uh, cool question here. And yeah, by the way, uh, you have our second bottom for XG in the league uh, this season. You have a bottom. And Sand, if you're third bottom, so again, a little bit more extra context. Christensen are well, well clear in that sense. Uh, 35.02 XG to their 29 goals scored. Um, got a nice question here from Max Graves before we wrap up part one. Uh, Steve, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on now. Mm. And uh, can you tell us your uh, player of the season in Norway? Young player of the season in Norway? And manager of the year in Norway uh, at Max Graves 91 says with six games to go, who would be your young player of the year, player of the year and manager of the year in Norway and Sweden? Um, I suppose in a way we don't want to give spoilers away for the end of the season show, but at the same time, do you have like say maybe two or three candidates for each? Well, obviously considering. Yeah. It would be foolish not to have Erling Moo on the shortlist, wouldn't it? <laughs> the way Mulder's season has gone. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to let's do shortlist, a <laughs> shortlist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not name your choice, but let's. Yeah, let's have a. Sh- let's just do sort of two or three. I think the shortlist would obviously be Erling Moo. Outside the box. Erling Moo. Outside, outside the box. Just wait, wait before you answer. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of managers outside the box, because obviously mm. you might just name the top three, but you know, any, any outliers? Outside the box, how about Larzana Nielsen at Arlison? Because I think everyone expected them. There was a lot of predictions for them in the bottom two. And they're not going to be. I don't, they're not. They're not going to be in the bottom two. So, I think that's something that's difficult, really, for for managers. Um, oh gosh, I mean, uh, how about for Germo for turning things around? He was probably one match from the sack, and he's kind of rebounded incredibly. I think that deserves a lot of credit. I would love to know exactly what how he managed it, really. To turn around such a dire situation. Well, what make him on the? Well, yeah. I mean, the, he might, he might they were offering his free tickets, weren't they? So. I'll just take a, a sit. Oh, yeah, we haven't claimed that yet. We have to I'll claim sit, that. Oh, I'll take a sit-down interview with uh, Dag Ali Fagermo. Um, I imagine that, Meat Man, we need to claim Meat Man it, Soccer yeah. and Dag Ali Fagermo. I think that would be an interesting mix, wouldn't it? <laughs> we need to claim those tickets. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> um, For those who don't know, don't follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Um, we managed to persuade a couple of followers, uh, listeners of the podcast to support Wallerenga and, and Bromer Poikina. And uh, as a reward, Wallerenger offered us tickets to the game, but we haven't actually seen them yet or claimed them. So uh, if you're listening to this, Wallerenger, we will be in touch. Um, but uh, yeah, so you've got Fagomo, you've got Early Moo, who else? And uh, Lazana Nielsen is an outshot. Well, just, I mean, he might. I mean, if, okay. if they go down, then obviously he won't be on the on the on the shortlist. But because uh, no, you could still go down and, and perform well if your expectations yeah, were low. Yeah. Uh, what about manager of the? Uh, sorry, young player of the year. David Datro for Fana. No, I <laughs> David Datro for Fana, um, player of the year and young player of the year. Yeah, Are you happy with this that? This is like the most love hate relationship. No, no, I've no. no. I tell you what, young player of the year. Let's go with. I tell you, what, August Mickelson. I think at Tromso is a big can, a strong candidate for young player of the year. So I think for Fana, sorry as well at, 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 at Volarenga. I'd have to be considered. So it's, a, it's actually a really good, strong candidate list for Young Player of the Year in, in Norway. And, and Player of the Year? Player of the Year, I'm guessing you're looking at someone at Molder, really. Um, 
difficult to say. I mean, you could obviously make a case for Fafana, but I, I really like how the defence has performed this year. Martin Linnez has had a hell of a year for them. The uh, right wing back. Could I have a, a right wing back as player of the year? I mean, is that even allowed? But it would be a bit left field um, <laughs> selection, wouldn't it? A bit. Have you want? But yeah, I really like how Martin. Martin. I think he's had a great year. I think he would. De- he would definitely be on my shortlist to be player of the year. And obviously, Pellegrino with his goals would have to be in the mixer as well. And. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Those, are your, those are your three. Hopefully that answers your question, Max Graves. That's going to be it for part one. Uh, oh, actually, no, we've got one more question and we have to ask this because it was the very first question that we got asked on the pod uh, when we put the call out. Um, so it's Barisha, at Barisha Show. After the fall of joy with Christensen, do you think Rosenborg have enough to finish second? Yes, I do think they've got enough to finish second. I think they've got a big advantage not be playing in Europe over Buda Glimt. And if they beat Volarenga this weekend, which I think they are going to be, then that would put them five points clear of Volarenga with five games left. And I think that's enough of a cushion because I I, I don't want to write off Lillestrom, but I am writing them off. <laughs> I don't think Lillestrom are going to be in the top three. So I just think this is the big game for Rosenborg. They obviously it completely turns on its head if Volarenga win this weekend. But yes, I, I, I think they can. I think there's a good chance they can still finish second. Yes. That'll wrap it up for part one, unless you have any final comment, Steve. Well, you've got uh, plenty more time to think of your candidates for Player of the Year and stuff now, haven't you? You've kind of thrown that one at me quickly. And, um, well, part two's coming, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah, 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 we'll get to yeah, it. yeah, I can see your mind ticking over already now. So um, You were quick on your feet, so fair play to you. Fair yeah, play. I was, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Part one. Part one's done. And, um, yeah, joy, uh, we, we're going to have a break now. Join us for part two. And... Uh, Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fadugba. And now it's time to talk about the Swedish Alsvenskan which has been a very, very interesting league recently. Drop points everywhere. The top six are actually separated by just seven points, which with only six games left is kind of quite remarkable, really. Jonathan, and um, I mean, we keep, I seem to ask this question every week. You seem to almost ask this question every week. Does anyone want to win the Alsvenskan gold medal this year? A uh, great question. It doesn't seem like it. Um, <laughs> I mean, the answer is probably no, to be honest. Um, big game, obviously, uh, after the international break was Malmo Hammerby. Uh, it ended nil-nil in the top of the table. Well, not well, sort of near the top of the table clash um, at Elida Stadium. Uh, controversial, maybe a little bit in terms of um, Malmo believe they should have had a penalty, which which could have maybe decided the match. I know, um, I know we do have a listener question on that. So you might uh, you might ask me that in a minute, but uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that um, you know obviously Arga Herod has come in and uh, steadied the ship a little bit from the uh, Andreas Gujelson uh, interim spell, which did not go very well. Um, he's kind of tweaked things a little bit. He's played certain players a little bit more. Um, Hugo Larsson, the young uh, midfield eighteen, he's, he's come in and, and done quite well. 
Um, Pavlo Vajic has come in and I, I think he's looked quite good. He's just signed a new deal until I think 2027. So, you know, they've clearly got faith in him. Um, Soren Reeks has been playing sort of as a midfielder as well at certain times. So a few tweaks from Argo that have done well, um, but not obviously enough to sort of get them really firing on all cylinders. Um, and for Hammerby, just feels like titles slipping away, really, to be honest. I, I have been saying this for quite a few weeks now. I think if I've said this for probably a good six rounds or so. I, I think that Hammerby um, have just have let it slip already. I think it's already gone for them. Um, just feel like they faded at a wrong time mid-season. Um, they've now not won a game in their last six, uh, oh, sorry, the last five. Um, the last get- win was six games ago against uh, Degafors 5-1. Uh, four draws and one defeat. So really is just too many points dropped for, for Hammerby. They've had so many opportunities to kind of, you know, uh, sort of get an advantage in the title race and they're just not not claiming them. You know, in fairness to them, they've had a really tough run. Uh, you know, they've had ARK away, Wigan away, Malmo away. Your garden at home and nor shopping away, so it's not as if it's an easy easy time of it for Hammerby. And you know the the games are going to start getting a little bit easier. But the question mark will be: Is it too late for them, or how can they go on a crazy run, last sort of six games or so, and and sort of batter teams and and blow them out of the water? That's going to be the the, the question really. But um, I think it's probably a little bit too late for them. Malmo are only two points behind them now, um, seven points off the top of the table. Um, but even for them, you know, I think if I mean if Malmo were to win the league from here, it'd be be a bit of a travesty for the other teams, really, considering how bad they've been. Um, so yeah, I think it was a game where neither team really sh- shone too much. Um, but I think that controversial incident with the handball and the supposed penalty led to a lot of questions about VAR and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm going to come to that question in a minute. But before we do get going, I will read off the top six in terms of positions and points because it is close. Jorgarten and Hecken are on 48 points each. Jorgarten ahead only by virtue of goal difference. Uh, Hammerby on 43 points. And then we've got three teams on 41 points. Malmo, Kalmar and uh, Ie Kaur, uh, Elsborg of uh, down in seventh place after winning four games in a row. But... Um, yeah, we talk about this Malmo Hammerby game, nil-nil draw, and and there was some controversy in there. We've got a question from a loyal follower of the podcast, Vassen, and amazingly, it's not actually a question about Kalmar. So, uh, <laughs> fair play. It um, might, this is the question he asked. Might as well ask the question again. What's your opinion of the refereeing standard in Alsvenskan? Seems like more situations than in a long time have been acknowledged in the media: false offside, soft penalties, missing a goal which was 30 centimetres over the line. How the heck did that happen? Actually, where did that happen at? Um, but things like that. What is going on? I mean, this has been a problem in Norway as well, for me. There's been some shocking offsides. And I, as you know, hate VAR recently. Um, but so when decisions are so bad, you know, I can see why people actually argue against it. What's your opinion? Um, yeah, I think Scandinavia is making a, a good case for VAR, if I'm being honest. Um mm-hmm. Things like goal line technology, you can easily easily solve that. Uh, but I think there's a few things where VAR wouldn't have necessarily solved. It. I mean, the penalty um, for me, it was a penalty. Um, I think it was I can't remember who exactly it was. Might, might have been Pinas. Um, handball in the box. It was you know like the the, the striker. I think it was Keith Taylor was about to shoot, so it's literally pulled pulled it off his off his sort of half volley. Um, so felt like a blatant one to me. Um, I can see why the ref might miss it, so it's fair enough. But I, I, I think it's a penalty. Um, the there's been a lot of strange incidents, I think, this season in terms of 
you know, I can recall strange like red cards and second yellow cards and things like that. I mean, the um, I can't remember who it was in a, a recent Mialbi game, uh, but that you know there was one where he he got sent off for basically telling someone to get up, um, which I couldn't believe. Couldn't believe. Was it that Noah Pearson or or Ellie or someone like that? Still can't believe. Yeah, Noah Ellie, I think it was, but I think I still can't it. believe that 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 red card. Um, for, for he basically didn't do anything. Um, and yeah, there have been you know sort of offside decisions and things like that, especially in the big games. I think there has been a few suspect decisions and. Listen, the technology's there. I'm not a massive fan of VAR. I think it's overused. Maybe maybe we could introduce like a basketball system, like a challenge system, uh, where you get three challenges per match or something like that, and and maybe that would solve it because, you know, the biggest gripe is just the constant, like, going back and missing, you know, key incidents and, and kind of not being able to celebrate goals. And for me, you lose a lot. I guarantee that if VAR comes into Sweden, then next season it'll be, you know, or the season after that, it'll be just a lot of complaining about VARs killing the match. Um, mm. because he wants to be sitting in freezing cold temperature um, waiting for a VAR check. So, yeah, that's 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 the issue. Um, but I, I can understand, like, it does it does feel like um, this season there's been quite a few uh, sort of questionable decisions from referees. The other interesting thing I've uh, noticed, I mean, this is not anything to do with VAR, but there's been a lot of um, games getting stopped for sort of off-field incidents like cardiac arrests. Uh, the Degafors Jurgarden game was stopped because of a, a fan, I think, got taken ill. Um, been quite a lot of worrying scenes like that this season as well. I remember that Elsborg Hacken got, got called off towards the end of the match because of a similar incident. It was really worrying in the Diff uh, Degafors game. It, it just stopped out of the blue. Um, I didn't I didn't really like watching it, to be honest. I felt very uncomfortable watching it, to be fair. Um, nobody really knew what was quite going on. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's going off on a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, I think there will probably be growing calls for technology in, in Scandinavia. Yeah, like I said, I mentioned the Buda glimped offside at the weekend Runar Espiord, but there was an even worse one um, the previous round, Rosenborg against Lillestrøm. Kasper Tengstedt was a million miles offside, and I mean a million miles. And I have no idea how the referee didn't, sorry, the linesman didn't see it. Like genuinely one of the worst I've ever, I've ever witnessed. And, that is that's a case where VAR definitely would have solved the problem, and nobody nobody would have had a complaint about it. So, but you got to be careful what you wish for, haven't you? And I would categorically say don't go that way because I mean, just tonight in the Champions League, I watched the Inter Milan Barca game, and there was a shocking decision where VAR didn't give a penalty to Barcelona with a clear handball. So, I think it is look, it's a can of worms. But you're right, Scandinavia at the moment, there's so many poor decisions that it is making a case for VAR. Can we not just train officials to be better? You know, put some money into the officials' training and things. I mean, I just I don't get it, Jonathan. I really don't. Yeah, but... this, is a, this is this is an interesting point you make there because that, that's something that um, is happening a lot in England as well, in the lower leagues. There's a lot of complaining about referees. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of non-league and um, there's a lot of complaining about just referees being not up to the standards. And I'm just wondering, like, why isn't there, I mean, there's so much money in football. Why isn't there more investment in kind of, actually training referees to a higher standard so, you know at a certain point in the get as the game gets quicker the referees need to get quicker and is there actually that level of training i know at sort of uefa level there is I, i've seen i saw a documentary on um clement turpin i believe and, and the kind of rigorous stuff they have to go through as rest but they're like the cream of the crop it doesn't seem that like there's a huge amount of kind of training for referees at a lower level and of course it's, it's a difficult uh it's a difficult uh, vocation, isn't it? Because when you start at the bottom, you're 
you know, there was a, a really horrific um, incident in Wigan where a referee got beaten, beaten severely beaten by someone uh, at a grassroots game. And he had like broken bones, uh, broken collarbone, broken nose, like shattered ribs, like really, really bad uh, beating just for being a referee. Um, mm. And maybe that's putting people off. And then, you know, maybe well, then maybe, there's a, maybe there's not enough refs. Um, in the context of Scandinavia, I know there's certain referees in, in, in Sweden where when you see their name, you know it's going to be a, a t- tricky game. There's a few refs who've got a bit of a reputation. Um, but yeah, I just don't see why we don't get enough more, more training, really. But um, yeah, maybe let's let's move on. I, I'd be interested to hear what wasn't. I'll, t- I'll tell you a story, actually, before we move on. long time ago, I was probably about 16 or 17, a, a lad in my cricket team who was the same age as me, his dad, um, was uh, a, re- a referee in football and um, his own son in a match actually pushed over a referee and um, his dad was so angry that he did it to a fellow official that he grounded him for like two years. I'll never forget it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, where's that nowadays, you know? I feel like fathers would almost encourage sons to push over a referee you know the the, the modern climate we're in it's, it's awful isn't it but they don't get enough respect to be fair do they but um yeah we, we need to move on and um where are we yeah great chance it was for both Hecken and um Jorgarten to take advantage and uh it's really backfired uh for both certainly in terms of Jorgarten a shock 3-0 defeat at Degaforge I don't think anyone at all saw this one coming did they I mean remarkable result yeah, and the big story before the game for obviously the, the, the Degafors diff game was Victor Edvarsson going back to his former club. Um, he was terrible and got subbed off at half time. Um, of course, as always, he had something to say about it. He said he was very angry. Um, I, I think he's like I've always said every week, pretty much. I think he's I think he's done more press conferences and interviews than than, than score goals this season. Um, but he's clearly enjoying the limelight. But yeah, he didn't didn't enjoy the limelight in the actual match itself. Um, and yeah, there was question marks uh, to to the joint manager Thomas Lagerlöf, uh, um was asked about why he took him off so early and that kind of thing, and um, he said that they couldn't get they couldn't get hold of Degafors and and they had problems in their defensive side of game of the game, um, so they wanted someone who was a little bit more defensive and could do a bit more work rate and bring a bit more energy. So, um, but yeah, the, I mean, Degafors were really good value here. I couldn't, you know, they really. They really took it to 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 Jurgen, who, considering they were top of the league and kind of, you know, I think if they'd won this game, I think they've almost got one hand on the title. To be honest, um, three points clear with sort of five games to go or six games to go. I think they would have. I'm not saying they would have gone on to win the league, but I think I think this would have been huge three points, just given that, you know, Hacken, Hammerby, and Malmo all dropped points. Um, but they really took a beating that's going to probably worry them. I think actually from yeah, now to yeah. the end of the season, it's, and you know, you asked me if Hammerby are out of it, but it's kind of allowed those other teams back into it now. I mean, Malmo may be too far away. You've got Kalmar there in fifth. You know, you've got ARK in sixth who had a disappointing result again. But really, you know, um, it's just kept hacking, giving them another lifeline. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone really wants it as, as we discussed at the top of the show. Hacken, obviously, they they had um, Jeremy F. suspended for this game. Um, they've now had four straight draws and, you know, we said about Hammerby that the games they've had, they've had tough games, but Hacken have had Degafors, Kalmar, Hammerby and Varberg boys, and they haven't been able to win any of them. So it's really kind of, you know, we really are wondering who wants to win this title. Uh, this weekend, we've got Jurgarden and Hacken. That's a massive game at the top of the table. Um, 
and it'll be a fascinating one to watch actually I, you know almost can't really predict it in terms of who, who would win this match um but we will get a lot of answers i think in, in this weekend's game yeah and do you think hacken have got an advantage uh, heading into this game because of course on thursday night uh, conference league ghent against your garden and it surely now goes against diff four more european matches to fit in before the end of the season they're surely naturally going to drop points um on, on the back of some of those fixtures i think they will i think they will struggle um Degafors really gave them a tough game uh they have got quite a big squad but there are a little few off the, off the field things going on as well that we need to bear in mind um, for your off-field uh, misdemeanours. And I just think that generally speaking, I think they've had a couple of opportunities that they've not taken. I think this, this Degelfors game, they might come to regret it. I still think they're a big candidate to win the title. But I think with mm. Degelf- uh, with Jurgen, they have lost some key players. You know, I think they do miss Isaac Heen. Um, and I think the defense. although Daniels, I think Danielson's getting a little bit old. He scored a bit of a weird... Um, they were defensively poor. Heen uh, is a the- massive miss, isn't he? He's a massive miss. Yeah, and Danielson's not the player. I don't think Danielson's the player he was, to be honest. Um, I know he's, I know he's a legend at the club in terms of the title-winning w- season. I think 2019, but uh, he scored a bizarre own goal, <laughs> and um, Bertelson and Farage uh, got the odds for for Degafors in a, in a three-nil win. So, yeah, massive game this weekend. Though. Are you are you worried about Hecken? Because I'm kind of looking at their results and. They've actually shown a lot of fight and spirit. They've they've fallen behind in all their last three games, but come back to draw in the second half. Obviously, it's not good that they could keep conceding the first goal. But at the same time, it's kind of like I, I almost see positives from, from these fight backs. They've they've only lost two games of football all season. Look, you can't keep you can't win a title just by drawing matches all the time. But you know, is it good or bad for Hecken right now? Um, well, it's bad. They've drawn four games in a row, and I just mentioned the game, the games that they uh, have dropped points in. It's not good enough. Um, this is their once in a lifetime maybe chance to win the title. They've not, they've never won the title in their history, and um, it's unexpected for them to win it. That's the thing. So it's it's a bit. I can't. It's a bit like what you said about Yerv in part one. You can't really be harsh on them because they're not really equipped to be winning titles. To be honest, they, they almost shouldn't be in this position. Um, the, jo- the job uh, Matisse Hogmore's done, Premier Matisse Hogmore's been incredible. But when you get into such a great position to draw four games like that is tough because they've got a tough run. They've got a tough running. Um, they've got some difficult tyres coming up. Um, and so they've got a much harder running than, say, for example, Hammerby. Um, Hacken have actually, funnily enough, performed quite well in, in some of the bigger games. You know, they've, they've beaten ARK, they've beaten, um, they've beaten some big teams, to be fair to them this season. They've beaten Malmo away. So maybe, maybe, it's, maybe they suit playing the the bigger teams in a way with their counter-attacking style. They have had some injuries as well to be a sign. They got injured. You know, they've had obviously Benny Triore out for the whole season. Um, can Yermi have sustained this kind of incredible goal scoring form? Um, but they have got to go to EF Court, AIK and Newgard are their remaining three away games. So there will be a huge test for that sort of counter-attacking style that they have. You know, all three are winnable, but can they can they go and get the job done? I don't know. Um, I think no matter how it happens for Hacken, if they get top three in Europe, I still think it's been a fantastic season for them, but I think their fans, Hissingen, would kick, kick themselves if they if they sort of threw it away now. I think they're just they're so close. It was what a story it would be. This would be like Leicester City yeah. almost, be incredible. So, um, yeah. 
Time time for your questions then. Same that you had uh, for me. Uh, Flying Dutchman's one first. Any wild predictions for the last stretch of games? Um, no, I don't think I do have any wild predictions. Um, you know, I'm not really a man for predictions, Steve. That's why I asked you that question. Um, so <laughs> I didn't think this one wild. would go down too well with you. I didn't think this well, this one would go too down too well. Right. Okay then. Okay. I was going to go for something wild. Okay. Let, if I was going to do something out there, I think this will please Mr. Oscar Holt as well. Let, let's say Camar to finish top three. That's my wild Ooh, prediction. Well, that's going to go down well with certain people, isn't it? That it's is. not going to happen, but I'm going to. You know to... how to appease the fans on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I was looking at them and they are a solid team. It wouldn't. I think they finished the season well. Wouldn't shock me that. Give I the think fans that's quite a good call. Mm, I think that's quite a good call. So well, I'll put it this way. I'll put quick, it this way. Kalmar to finish above um, one of Malmo and AIK. And if not, to finish top three. Or if not, fourth. And I'll go for an easy one that's not really... Um, it's not really... Wild. Wild, but Hacken to finish above EF Court. <laughs> 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 the grand scheme of things, that's pretty wild. But, All right, know. Mystic Meg. All right, Mystic Meg. <laughs> Um, right. And I'll go um, for one more, maybe Varnamo, Varnamo top 10. Varnamo top 10. Whereabouts are they at the moment? Let me have a look. 10th. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that would be an incredible achievement because that's like, they're like, they're like the year of, 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 of Sweden. So that would I'm be. I'm getting, yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, for them to stay there, that would be pretty strong, especially with Norsh being. Uh, now firing a bit more. So, uh, young player of the year, player of the year, and managers of the year. Briefly, here, I mean, what sort of immediately comes to your mind? A sort of shortlist. Uh, Pierre Metis Hogmo for um, Hacken. I'm going to say Marty Sifuentes is, is, is on the shortlist if he keeps it up. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And um, the Varno manager. Yeah. And um, young players. Of the year, who's really stood out? You say, when we say young, I guess sort of twenty-two and below. Yeah, you know what I'm like. It could be, could be very young. Um, so yeah, sorry, Kim Helberg is uh, on the shortlist. Martin Spence is on the shortlist, and Pemi Togmo on the shortlist for managers, young players. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm good. I know I'm missing. I know I'm gonna miss some people here. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> It's a tough one. It's always tough, you know, when you when you put on the spot. Still six games left. You don't have to. You don't have to say anyone. The problem is most of them have gone, so it's kind of like, well, what you know, most of the good ones are left. Very good, very good point, actually. In fairness, in fairness, our player of the year. Then, I mean, I'm guessing Yeremiev has got to be on the list. Yeah, player of the year, Yeremiev, without a doubt. Is that clear cut? I mean, it's that easy, isn't it? It's It's a simple one. It's such a standout player. Incredible goal scoring record. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Hugo Larson in contender for Young Player of the Year for Malmo. I think just he's not he's kind of been in and out of the team, but I think of one of the he's one of the few remaining who who have, uh, who are still there. Um, I think you could give a shout to Bilal Hussein at AIK, but he's he's actually been a bit hit and miss uh, at times. Uh, I think Michael Baidu has been brilliant, um, but I don't know if he counts as a young player really. I think he's about 22, 23. Um, might be is he not one, is he one of those that claims he's younger than he is? He is on my tent to watch, so um you know that was a good, yeah, that good was a very good tent to watch. Sensational. 
Um, but I'm going to have to think about that, to be honest. And yeah, yeah. player of the year, I'm going to say Jeremy F. I'm going to say Marcus Antonsen. It's probably been single single one of the best players mm-hmm. in the league. And I think EF Core, Hussein Karnia for young player of the year would be a contender just because he's been there the whole season and breaking through at such a young age. Um, yeah. I'd probably have him in there as well. Yeah, well, just a couple of uh, things to tidy up here. Louis Almeida, it's not a question, but a noble mention the fantastic job uh, the players and staff are delivering at Varnamo, given their size and resources. They deserve a lot of credit. I would totally agree with that, Louis. I actually watched their game against Mialbi, uh, of all things, on Monday evening. And uh, they did really well. Uh, they fell behind early on. And when you fall behind to Mialbi, it's usually a death sentence, isn't it? But I think they had a really good strategy to get back into the game. Won it thanks to a late uh, free cone goal, actually. And, um, yeah, he's totally right. I think Varnamo have done a great job. Antonsen's had a fantastic season there. And one more question before we sign off here, Jonathan. It's from Estonian Football Podcast. Thank you very much for your question. Why can't Sorga get a chance? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just because Marcus Berg. I think it's just because Marcus Berg is captain and 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 way better. There's been a few. I don't know. There's been a there's been a bit of some weird things going on with him. I think there's been some weird stuff on Twitter. Um, I don't really. I'll be honest. I don't know the full backstory. That, that question's just come in, so mm. <laughs> quite hard for me to answer it. But I know that I know there's been a bit of a weird situation there. Um, seems like he's been a little bit ostracized by Mikastara. I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's fitness. Sorgus, I think, put some stuff on Twitter. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know to be honest. Um, but yeah, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of, I think we've actually got uh, Varnamo, a new fan in Lewis de Almeida, because I'm pretty sure he listened to the um, David Cellini interview, and ever since then, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's been praising, even, even mimicking, even sort of like trotting out some of David Cellini's lines. So um, I think maybe Louise, is that are you a possible new fan of Varnamo? Should we? Should we arrange a shirt somehow for you or something like that? But um, yeah, Varnamo have been an incredible story this season. One of the stories of the season, without a doubt. I I agree with you. I think everything that he said in that interview has kind of come to pass. Because if you remember when you actually did the interview, they were down there, not in the relegation zone, but they weren't far clear of it. But he said they were not going to panic. They were definitely underachieving their XGs at both ends of the field. And I think the results have finally come. And now they're obviously having a very comfortable uh, finish to the year it looks like so uh, yeah fair play uh, to Varnamo and as for IFK Gothenburg I can never I think they're one of the most hardest teams to predict in the whole of Europe I can never ever get this team right I don't know which version of IFK is going to turn up Mikel Stara one minute I'm thinking maybe he's turned the corner and the next minute I'm thinking he's he's useless again so it's a well, it's a sort of club where weird things happen anyway right <laughs> and it well, would just be their sort of year that I can go win the title now well, big win for Elsborg in the derby. So, yeah, fair play to Elsborg. That was a good good, good result for them. Marcus Berg, red card as well. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it then. That will conclude the episode. Unless you've got anything else to say, Jonathan, about Sweden? Nope. Sorted. Okay, mate. Well, thank you very much. Well, actually, no, I do. For... I don't, no, I do, actually. I do. Ooh. That was a bit flippant. I do have something to last say. Last minute. Last minute. I'm going to say... Shout out to Helsingborg and Degafors for sort of making the relegation race competitive. Um, and I think there is an argument that there's a chance that Varberg and Sirius could get sucked into a relegation battle. I haven't really talked about it, but uh, I do think Degafors and Helsingborg are looking quite good at the moment. I know they had a defeat to Kalmar, Helsingborg, but in general, they've, they've, they've looked a lot livelier with this new joint managers. 
And I think Degafors are also getting a little tune out of their squad with a fantastic win. Uh, they've not lost a game now, Degafors, in, in, in the last five matches. So the last game they lost was in August. So I think Varberg and Sirius need to look over their shoulders because mm. they get sucked into it. Sirius especially are in a real mess, aren't they? They um, desperately struggling. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We, we keep our eye down there at the, the bottom of the table. So, um, yeah, thanks very much indeed for listening. Do remember to check out the podcast on Twitter at Nordic Footpod and also our Patreon um, as well. You can find me uh, at Meatman Soccer on Twitter. Can we find you anywhere on Twitter now, Jonathan? <laughs> you won't find me anywhere because I've been locked out of my Twitter, unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently I'm, at JF uh, Football, when you were allowed back in, yeah, I'm under age. But, um, not old so, to I'm not old enough to be entered, according to their bizarre rules. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I know your account sometimes does have some childish remarks, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I wish I... uh, age verification or something like that. I don't, I don't understand. I, I do, I do hope you can get that resolved because that is a very good account to follow at JF Football. If you're going to yeah. follow one account. After this, it's JF Football. So, all right. Well, that that concludes the episode. Take care, my friend, um, and take care, everyone. It's uh, thanks very much for listening. See you around very soon, and uh, goodbye. See you.